0: Amen. Would you turn to Acts chapter 1 is our scripture reading this morning. Acts 1, 1 through 11. Luke's account of the ascension. <clears throat> and following the reading of scripture, we'll sing the Gloria of Patry, which is printed for you in your bulletin. Please stand together for the call to worship, uh, for, for the scripture reading. he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. <clears throat> for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to, destroy, to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the dates or times the father Has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And God will add his blessing to this reading of his word. Amen. Let us bow for just a moment of prayer. Heavenly fathers, we come to your word in the truth of About Jesus Christ. I pray, O Lord, for your Holy Spirit to overrule in everything that you might be glorified and honored. And I pray that we might come to know him better and to love him with all of our hearts. May you be honored and may you guide uh, what is said. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We've begun looking at the exaltation of Jesus after reflecting on his humiliation. Uh, we're looking at his exaltation, and you can look at his exaltation in four particular stages or events his resurrection, his ascension, his session that is, his being seated at the right hand of God and <clears throat> his return. And it, it's all grouped in that phrasing in the creed. Uh, the third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven. And he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come and judge the living and the dead. And the ascension is not necessarily something we spend a lot of time thinking about. We think a lot about his birth, Jesus' birth and his life. And certainly his passion and death dominates our thinking and even his resurrection. But the ascension, maybe not so much. And yet I hope as we reflect on it today uh, that we'll get a better sense of how wonderful a truth it is. Today my focus is primarily going to be on the last of those four questions, uh, question 49. Uh, But I want to take just a minute to survey the others. Um, The first question, question 46, is essentially just the basic meaning of the the creed, and that is it's a statement of the historical fact of Jesus' ascension into heaven. As Acts told us, after 40 days living with his disciples after his resurrection, he then ascends a little bit before Pentecost uh, into heaven. So that's the historical fact of it. Uh, the questions 47 and 48 kind of jump into an area that can create a little bit of confusion perhaps in our heart. Uh, Jesus, in terms of his humanity, in terms of his body, is at one place at one time. and his, his In his humanity, he's in heaven. But the question that the catechism is wrestling with, well then how can it be true that he's present with us at all times? Well, the Gets us into the, the the marvel and the glory of the incarnation. He was in one person, God and man. And so there's a union of that. The, the, the deity didn't remove the humanity. The humanity doesn't remove the, the deity. They're both united in the one person. And so while Jesus' body is at one place, his deity is with us always. And so... If you want to delve into this a lot more, find yourself a really good systematic theology and it'll kind of go into more detail. I don't want to go that way today because I want to get to the really great news, uh, which is question 49. What benefit is it to you that Jesus ascended to heaven? And the answer gives us three things that are a benefit to you, uh, that Jesus ascended to heaven. And the first is that Jesus is our advocate with the Father. So turn to First John uh, chapter two, verse one. First John two, verse one. John has been urging uh, these what he refers to as little children, these believers, to be faithful. In their walk with the Lord, confessing their sins, uh, but in in chapter two, verse one, he says, and i 'm reading from the new international version, "My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ the righteous." Now, that whole phrase in the NIV, the one who speaks to the Father in our defense, is translating one word. And that one word is the word that we genuinely connect to the the Holy Spirit. It's the word paraclete, uh, literally meaning the one who is called alongside. And here, if you have another translation, it'll translate it. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Now, it's not wrong for the NIV to translate it as it does, but it's the word advocate, it's the word paraclete. And what is an advocate? An advocate is, in this case, in this setting, the idea of a defense attorney who stands before the judgment seat and brings to God our defense. Uh, turn to Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 33. Here we have the theological statement and explanation of that point as our advocate. Jesus Christ is our defense attorney before God. In Romans eight thirty three, it says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Now there are two very gripping images uh, to me in the Bible of this work that Jesus is doing. Uh, Turn to the first one, which is in Acts uh, chapter 7. I'm going to actually... Pick it up at the very last part of Acts six. It's the story of Stephen, one of the first deacons, who was God used powerfully in preaching and ministry. And if we look back at uh, Acts six verse ten, it says they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. And they produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. And all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Now all of that was false. Here he was falsely accused, but he's brought before the Supreme Court, brought before the judge with these false accusations and if you move forward into in Acts seven fifty four, he gave this long extended description of the Old Testament history and told them that, no, they were the ones who were disobeying the law. <clears throat> in verse 54, when they heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. And it was clear that they were going to bring harm to him. For Stephen's encouragement in verse 55, we're told that Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, our typical image of Jesus, since he was raised again and ascended to the heavens, is that he is seated at the right hand of God. That's an appropriate and a common image of Christ, certainly a revelation of his work. But what do we see here? He's not seated at the right hand of God, he's standing before the throne of God. What, What is going on here? Against these accusations against Stephen, which in this case were false, Jesus Christ is standing as his advocate before the, the judgment throne of God to defend him. And he has that same role before God for you and for me. Now, Stephen was no more innocent as a human than we are. When the accusations of the evil one are brought against us to the throne of God, how does Jesus possibly defend us? It's certainly not our innocence. Jesus can't say, well, they're innocent. You don't need to judge them. He can't say that. But what does he say? He says, my argument is my blood. My wounds. My sacrifice. I paid for them. They belong to me. Jesus is our advocate. He's standing at the very throne of God in our defense against the accusations that are thrown against us, which in our case, they're right. But how can we be delivered from that? We have a wonderful hymn that celebrates this truth. Uh, Arise, My Soul, Arise. The whole hymn is really great, but I want to highlight a few of the verses. The middle verse is, Five bleeding wounds he bears, received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry. Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry. Nor let this ransomed sinner die. The father hears and pray. His dear anointed one. He cannot turn away the presence of his son. The spirit answers to the blood. The spirit answers to the blood. And tells me I am born of God. My God is reconciled. His pardoning voice I hear. He owns me for his child I can no longer fear. With confidence, I now draw nigh. With confidence, I now draw nigh. And Abba, Father, Abba, cry. What benefit do you get that Jesus ascended to the right hand of God? It's that he is there as your advocate to defend you before the throne of God. There's one other very gripping revelation of this. It's in the Old Testament. Turn to Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3 toward the latter part of the minor prophets. And we have in Zechariah 3 verse 1, again in the throne room of God, then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. Then the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, behold, I have taken away your sin and I will put rich garments on you. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord is Christ. He's your advocate. And he says, "We, you and I, our righteousness is as filthy rags. We come to God with our very best and it's not very good. But the angel of the Lord says, take those clothes off and put him in the robes of righteousness. My righteousness. My, my robes my clothing you clothe him in those and he's able to stand then in the presence of god what benefit is it to you that jesus ascended to the father it's that he's your he's your advocate he's your intercessor he ever lives to make intercession for you he's your great high priest who stands in the presence of God, and because of that, you and I can come with boldness to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. What a great benefit it is to us that Jesus left and ascended to the right hand of God. The second benefit is that we now have in our flesh, uh, in heaven, that our lives are hidden with Christ. Now, it's strange for us to think about us in this way, that even though our bodies are right here in this place, in this room, on this earth, spiritually we are united to Jesus Christ so that as He sits on the throne, so do we. Now, let's see what scripture, how scripture helps us with this. Turn first to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 6. He gives us this statement. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions and, and, and sin. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> So the, the work of the ascension accomplished for us that as he sits down on his throne, you and I sit with him. You know, not physically at this point, but spiritually we are connected to him so that as he sits and reigns, you and I do too. Now turn to Colossians chapter 3. A few books back. Colossians chapter 3, we have the parallel account thought Colossians 3, verses 3 and 4. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is in your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So your life is hidden with Christ in God. And what that communicates to us is, again, that we're here locally. We're connected to Jesus Christ who's sitting on his throne What is the benefit and help of us in that? Two things. One is for our hope. Jesus is the guarantor that as his body is in glory, our bodies will go to glory. We will live uh, after we die. We will go into the presence of God. But we look forward to that day, that long for that day, the guaranteed day, when our bodies will be raised again and we will be in the presence of the Lord, body and soul, together forever. And Jesus' ascension into the very presence of God is a guarantee of our hope in that, our assurance of that. But there's another way that it helps us, and that is it's a great help for us in the work of sanctification in our lives. You and I are not the helpless victims of sin. Now, we have severe struggles with sin, We will have temptations that uh, plague us and we will wrestle with. But you need to never think that you are without resources. And as Jesus reigns on his throne, you and I share in that, that we can say no to sin. By the power of Christ, in our reigning with him, we're in a position of authority to say no to sin. Now, we'll struggle to do that. But the ascension of Jesus Christ is a help and an aid to us in our living a godly life. Because we don't want to see ourselves as simply defeated in this life, though we may struggle severely at times, But we share in the victory of our Savior. And so we can conquer sin by His power. The power that we share in him. In him. And <clears throat> so therefore we have to get our eyes off of what we're struggling with here and get them on him. If you're still there in Colossians, you look back at verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. <clears throat> where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And that doesn't mean we're not going to have our attention on the things of this world that we need to, providing for our family, our jobs, and and other activities and things that we've got to deal with. But his point is that we need to keep our eyes on Christ. And as we keep our eyes on Christ, then the trials and the temptations of this world don't need to overwhelm us because we have the victory in him. We're seated with him. And his ascension brought that to be. His ascension brought us there. We have the wonderful encouragement before we get to the third blessing. Wonderful encouragement of Jesus to his disciples in John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let them not be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And I will return and take you to be with me where I am. That's Jesus' goal. He's there. And he's going to come back to take you so that you can be with him. His presence there is for us great hope and great help. The third benefit is that we get the Holy Spirit and many blessings uh, as a result. Uh, Jesus had told the disciples in the upper room, it is good for you that I go away. Because unless I go away, the counselor, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. In John 14, he also says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, another paraclete, another comforter of the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. Jesus, in his human nature, was going. But the Holy Spirit would be poured out on them. And it was one of the benefits that Christ would bring to them. In ancient cultures, the king, when he was victorious and returned to his hometown sometimes he would receive gifts from the people but uh, many times he would bring gifts with him to give to the people well Jesus was victorious on the cross he overthrew his enemies the principalities and the powers and so when he ascended on high he gave gifts to men and one of the gifts was the Holy Spirit. The other is the spiritual benefits we have. Turn to back to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four, verses seven to twelve. Where Paul writes, and he says, To each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, He led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You see, the one who descended to the lower regions is Christ, and he in turn ascended to the highest place. And when he ascended to the highest place, he gave gifts to men. Uh, the gifts of grace to each and every one of us, sometimes the gifts of uh, position, of authority and responsibility in the church. But we have the benefit of Jesus' ascension to us is that he pours out upon us his spirit and his grace. It was a tremendous benefit to us that Jesus left and that he ascended to the right hand of God so that he would be our advocate and our intercessor That he would be our guarantor and our help that he would be uh, richly pour out on us the blessings and benefit of his redemption. You and I need to cast our eyes heavenward to see our Savior in his glory and to worship and adore him for all the blessings and the benefits that come to us because of his ascension and may we embrace him and love him and receive from him the grace that he has poured out on us amen let us pray father in heaven we do thank you so much for the richness of your love and the glory of our savior thank you for this Glorious ascension to your right hand we praise and thank you that he is our advocate where we have no defense he has the perfect defense that we can be clothed in his righteousness we thank you for him being the guarantor of our hope and our help even now as we battle sin thank you father for the rich blessings that come through him May we be bound in our hearts to love and adore and follow him. Now and forevermore, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.